see everything the movie podcast where we rank review and riff on every single film in the criterion collection i'm anthony and this is my co-host sean and sean it's a new year it's 2024 oh sean, it finally happened amazing we're, everyone we... told me that it was gonna be 2023 forever but i said one of these <laughs> fucking days it's gonna be 2024 Welcome, yes, welcome us all into your hearts and hearths as we delve into 2024. You guys are going to have so much always seeing of everything. And, and Sean, I just wanted to ask you, do you have any New Year's resolutions other than, of course, uh, sharing always see everything with your friends, uh, watch, listening to our episodes over and over on repeat, being really into it and obsessed with it, and, and maybe even posting on social media about it? I don't know. Other than that, like, do you have any New Year's resolutions? I'm very excited to announce that I'm implementing Phase 2. Oh, snap. Oh, what, what's Phase 2? Phase 2 is a go. Any one of the... Uh, listen, everybody's going to be hearing about Phase 2. Just give it oh, a second. Snap. You don't have to ask me any damn questions, because you're going to know exactly what Phase 2 means in just a bit, and you're going to wish Uh-oh. you never did. Okay. Well, that's scary. Um... <clears throat> Anyway, really loud. Of, always see everything. We are uh, really we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk uh, uh, some weird movies. I don't know, man. We're talking Roger Vadim's and God Created Woman. I don't really have an. I, I guess there's a lot of movies about sex. This is a, a movie about. This is a week about sex. We got and God Created Woman. This is come week. Movie. <laughs> we're not calling it that. We got the oh, element okay, my of bad. the ele- element of crime. I almost said what you just said. Uh, the elements of cum <laughs> well it's mostly water and sperm that's really kind of the main two. Oh my gosh and uh yeah and then we chose some movies that we felt would make us feel good so we watched notorious alfred hitchcock's movie a very a, totally a movie about you know a woman who has to have sex in order to to further the plot and then uh, uh straw dogs which is rough Whew. It should. Okay. Uh, never mind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't don't say that. Nope. Um, <laughs> My bad. Sean, this was a tough week, uh, and I'm not just saying because it was a a, a week that had a lot of um, uh, really tough topics. It's also just a, a. It was. I didn't love this week. I think this week scored really low in my favorite weeks. Yeah, it was pretty mediocre. Um, I mean, for me, there was a standout. I guess a couple standouts. But yeah, I would basically agree that it wasn't one of our mower rip-roaring affairs. Right, right. Yeah, I basically feel that way. And uh, I'm excited. 
excited to move through it and move past it. So let's talk about everybody is really <laughs> fucking excited for this episode. Yeah, yeah. They're just gripping yeah. their seats, white knuckling, the strapped in for two and a half hours of, yeah, you know, this was okay. But yeah, 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 no, I thought this was interesting. Yeah, that was okay. Yep. This is going to be a good fucking episode. <laughs> Jesus Christ, that's so loud. Is it really? It's so loud. There's no uh, way they're going to be able to hear us. I'm turning it down. I'm turning it down. Is the piano music or the horn? The piano music. Listen, I thought that was loud, but then the horn came on and I didn't know how good I fucking <laughs> okay, had okay. it. Here's, here's the piano. Okay. We're getting used to our soundboards, people. That's okay. Um, it I, only I gets louder from here. Before you join, I just like having it around and you not knowing that it's coming. It's no, I do too. Listen, listen. It's better this way. Not knowing, and that I'll it's be the climbing. first to admit that. It is. It is. Um. Uh, anyway, and God created woman. The astounding success of Roger Vadim's and God created woman revolutionized the foreign film market and turned Bridget Bardot into an international star. Bardot stars as Juliette, an 18 year old orphan whose unbridled appetite for pleasure shakes up all of Saint Tropez. Her sweet by na but naive husband, Michel Jean-Louis Trintignant, a endures beatings, insults, and mambo in his attempts to tame her wild ways. I should have said it like that. Um, this was, this was fun. I, I enjoyed it a little, but it wasn't... You think it was fun? Yeah. I don't Moving know. On. Oh, wow. <laughs> no, yeah. I, I, I generally, th my general thoughts on this is, it's not that deep. It basically, it had me considering the question of, like, how often do we see a a young uh, sexually promiscuous woman on screen and really have to root against her when we're talking about these kinds of movies, these art house kinds of movies? Yeah, she's it, it's a very weird thing because you're right that there is this kind of sense of like admiration of her mm -hmm. in a in a way and. Yeah, I mean, a, a lot of movies kind of down the line. I mean, if you make something in the modern day now, I think if you have like a, a sexual young woman, like mm -hmm. it's kind of passe now to make her bad. So mm -hmm. she, she's like has to be good. Like there's kind of a sense of overcorrection. But I, yeah. I think that that kind she of makes be sense like... because this movie is like fundamentally conservative in its morality where she is kind of a like she's fun in the sense that it's sort of like forbidden like you're supposed to not like her but you're supposed to kind of like her because you don't like her she's an anti-hero in a sense wait you think that's what you think yeah i don't, I don't think, think I, this is i think this is a very conservative film in in most ways i don't think so at all what are you talking about i think this movie is wait we're gonna be controversial about something as like lame as this movie i think that this is a movie about how like uh, like uh just you should just let her be free and do what she wants man and trying to impose your ways upon her is just gonna make her suffer because she actually legitimately loves you kind of a thing like saying like the traditional modes of uh monogamy are are sort of are outdated and um oppressive towards women who feel this way who are this are, are i don't want to say like nymphomaniacs it's not that she's a nymphomaniac although that could be inferred i suppose uh like 
women who 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 just like having sex it is run it runs counter to sort of uh you know monogamous values and so like we're gonna you should give her every chance in the world to do her best but in the end like maybe it would be better if these systems didn't exist i don't know that kind of a thing like but but it's portrayed as tragic Right. That she has Mm -hmm. these impulses and she's constantly fighting against them. Mm. And in the end, there's this sort of like it it gets resolved by him smacking the shit out of her. And then she's like, yeah, I guess I was being a little bit. I guess I was being naughty there. My bad. I I think that it's you're. But but you're getting your wires crossed there because it's like so lame in a sense. But. I suppose, but then he, but he then accepts, but that, like, that's not the last shot. The last shot is then her, them, like, holding hands and walking back into their house. Like, and her, him, like, accepting her and being, she's like, I'm sorry. And he's like, yeah, okay, let's, let's, you know, come on. But I think that that's, that might literally just be because it's like, yeah, she's a bad person and you shouldn't give her a chance, but come on, look at her. Like, I think that is legitimately the thing. Yeah, I think that that's actually what's going on here. That there's this sense of, like, she's, yeah, you're, it's, it's bad. You know, she's a strumpet. She's, she's throwing herself at all these guys and that's a cross that you're going to have to bear. But man, she's just, woof. Like, that's, it, it feels like an old guy movie in that way where it's, it's like wow just, okay where it's it's misogynistic in every way possible simultaneously where That's it's like yeah, yeah she's a slut so fuck her for being a slut but also like we want to have sex with her so like wow. every every simultaneously contradictory misogynistic angle is at once present. That's my no, interpretation. I, I've my interpretation is is that it's like who are these guys to like throw? They're like screaming at each other and throwing each other around like a factory, and then you cut to her and she's like having a fun time. Like it it feels like instead. It, it, you you interpreted this as like an old man's perspective. I kind of interpreted this as like a uh, 13-year-old girl who just learned what feminism is perspective, where it's like, just let her, you know, have sex with whoever she wants. You know, like, it doesn't really matter. Like, like this is all just going to... It is ruinous to, to not, like, uh, to force her into standards that are not her own and she's she will try but she will fail and that's and you need to give her unlimited chances if you're forcing her to be something that she's just not that's what it kind of feels that felt like my interpretation it's like she she uh she ultimate the tragedy is like they're gonna beat her up they're gonna whatever and she's gonna keep on trying to be like not a like uh to to be monogamous to not just like throw herself at men randomly like and and she's gonna keep on trying because she loves this guy but like she ultimately is the pawn of everyone else around her and she needs to be free man she needs to be allowed to dance with whoever she wants to dance but i think it's it's condescending though it's less about you know she needs to be free and it's a good thing and let her do what she wants because we shouldn't you know put restrictions on people in that way i think it's more so like oh well she's she's Mm -hmm. so young and dumb and you know you know how those women are like i think that's the perspective more so where it's the sense of well she doesn't 
like you can't get mad at a dog i think is actually the Oof. the kind of perspective going on like yeah that's that's part of why i didn't really like but this thing, has... because it just felt like it was like there's just not this internality or any kind of like desire to understand this character she's all internality she's constantly telling you what she wants and what she's trying to do she everything the the movie is from her perspective and follows her perspective almost exclusively until the end i don't think it's all it's her just because it has her on camera i think that it's from a male perspective because i mean this movie is just textbook example of the male gaze because every part of it is i i don't think that that yeah, it's trying yeah. okay okay i well, like this is a textbook example of like cinematography of the male gaze i want to like i one day i'm gonna write a book that's just the like textbook ideas of uh, of like how how do how to shoot the male gaze it's like okay well when a woman's on screen it needs to be at like waist level you know like that kind of thing and like they just do that so much in this movie yeah. but she spends most of her scenes alone or, or with one character telling them, like, this is how I feel, this is what I want, this is what I'm trying to do. And she tries to do those things, and I feel sympathy for her. I And I think that the movie wants me to feel sympathy for her trying, and sympathy for her failing. For her sort of falling into uh, adultery, right? Like, and falling, and also fall, like, oh, she's gonna get sent away for her orphan ways, and he's like... I'll marry her, and it's like, well, yeah, she grasped onto that straw and into she she's grasping onto this hand that's feeding her because she doesn't want to get sent away, right? Because she's like an orphan. It's, it's really weird, weird. We we gotta talk about that for a second, but at some point, but like this weird, like, oh, she's gonna get sent away because she has no parents and she's being, you know, uh, free with her body or whatever. And then some guys like, I'll marry her, and it's like, great, she's your problem now, and. She like grasped onto that and is like, okay, well, what I gotta be is I gotta be monogamous. I gotta not, you know, shame him. I gotta do this thing in order to keep my freedom. And then she fails and it destroys her. And she's just like, and by the end, she's pleading with these men who are fighting over her, who are shooting herself themselves over her. Like, please just like let me go, let me have fun. I just want to dance, you know. And that feels like to me the perspective that the movie takes. I don't and know. The tragedy I... is that he, she's going to keep on being this way until either the, these men kick her out or uh, and have enough, or she's going to keep on being this way to the end of time, being so ashamed of quote who she is. In, in that way, you know, like that feels like this is a, this feels like a polyamorous perspective on the world, like whoa, a polyamorous movie, I guess. Like just saying, like just let her have sex is it really that big of a deal and you know whatever maybe i don't agree with that particular ideal but like that's and and, so i'm not coming at this being like oh this is it must be the way that i agree with it but it feels like that's the the movie that's presented i I, and it feels simple and stupid because again like this is like a three-star movie it's like okay (laughs) you know but yeah I don't know how you see what you're seeing in it that you're like, this is like a conservative movie. This is I just don't I just don't give it that much credit. I think that there's a very clear sense of of condescension towards Mm -hmm. Brigitte Bardot's character. I mean, just talking in terms of cinematography, it's obviously 
leering and kind of gross in that sense i mean oh, even the sure. title and god created woman like the biblical reference of got woman being created as a companion to man it it feels like the way that her character is treated just feels to me more than anything like a troublesome pet like that's interesting that that's how it felt and you know obviously that feels gross um right. but yeah i, I it's interesting because we both simultaneously watched a movie that we thought was simple, but for yeah. different reasons and got very different oh. things from it. This we is the week of us straw dogs disagreeing. Because, yeah, but straw dogs, a lot is actually of these. Like, straw dogs is a like, bigger piece of art. Like It's well made in its way. This is – I actually think that it's a failing of the movie that like it leers at her, the entire movie. Leer. How often do people say leer and not mean at women? in movies (laughs) oh in movies because i was about to say it uh it cuts your opponent's defense by one stage Mm. or is it two stages i think it's two stages and not cuts it lowers that's a sports reference and i'm against i'm kidding no that's pokemon the gathering isn't a isn't a sport it's pokemon oh it's pokemon oh well that's a sport reference and i'm against it is is a sport it is yep because in the world we live in 2024, Pokemon are real. And they fight <laughs> against each other yeah. in Saudi Arabia. That's what they're doing over there. That's what they're spending all their damn money on. Who is your starter? Washing. Huh? Uh, of the main three. the you're, you're, Who's your starter Pokemon? Which generation are you referring to? Generation one. I'm talking, you You get Squirtle, you get Charizard, you get uh, Bulbasaur. I don't really have any strong feelings on them. I mean, uh, I guess Charmander. He's, he's cute. I mean, Charmander, they always They're have the awkward cute. middle stage evolution. Eh, yeah. Charmander's cuter than... I think Charmander's the cutest. Really? Okay. I have very... I, I have the... It's again, it's such a simple question that I'm like, it's very straightforward. Who do you think is the cutest? I chose the cutest. It's Squirtle. Clearly, Squirtle is the cutest. Squirtle's pretty cute, but Charmander has the thing where if the fire goes out, he dies. And that's that's that vulnerability that's cute. Mm. Anyway, God created woman. Yeah. (laughs) This is kind of like a Pokemon movie. It's kind of like yes, agree, completely agreed. Before you, please do expand on it. But I agree with whatever you're going to say. Uh, the main characters are mostly at the whims of uh, other manipulative men around them. The main Is characters it? are really sexy. Oh damn! I wasn't oh, supposed wait, to say oh, that. Oh, dang, what the hell? Oh, snap. Oh, what the hell? Yeah. What the hell am I doing? Detective Pikachu really gets it's going. Do you remember the extended plot about the guy who, like, wanted the real estate? What the fuck was that about? Oh, my gosh. Yep. Uh, my, I mean, the best part of the movie when uh, one of them is a ditto, when one of the human people is a ditto. I do funny. remember that. And it's like, you were fucking a ditto the whole time, dude. That's, you're, I mean, you're that was... I, I remember that happening, and first of all, being like, oh, yeah, I know, I don't know a lot about Pokemon, I'm gonna be real, but gotcha. being like, oh, I know that Pokemon, A, and then having the little, like, oh my gosh, anyone could be a Ditto feeling, and it was like, no, 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 just this one character, but it would be really fun if for the rest of the movie, it was like, no, actually, uh, what's his name, uh, Smith, uh, the, the guy, the main character was just a Ditto, you know? 
Urban Fetty. Wait, are we talking about Pokemon or the movie still? Pokemon the the movie, Detective Pikachu. Oh, okay. I thought that you were doing an extended riff where one of the guys and then God created woman was a ditto. Oh, no, no. Uh, the, that would be a I don't way better movie. to say here. The mother was the ditto. And God created ditto. Created <laughs> ditto? That's our, that's the episode. That's the episode title. That sucks. That sucks. Um... Anything you want to say, closing thoughts on God Created Woman, I, I don't no. think we're going to see each other's perspective here. No, I don't. She's and I think very, you knew before you asked. She's very attractive. Yeah, she's one of those. Yeah, one of those. One of She's those. one of those where it's like, if she were around now and I saw her, I would be like, okay, is she from Euphoria or TikTok? Mm. And mm. it would, it's always the answer one would of be the two. Both. The answer would be both. The answer is usually both, and it's always one of the two. Anytime now I see like a young person with terrifyingly perfect facial features, it's like, okay, which one of those are you from? And I've never been wrong. (laughs) Uh, Well, Sean, I'm not on either of those, so I don't know what your problem is. Yeah. Lars von Trier is the element of crime. Lars von Trier's stunning debut feature is a grungily expressionistic hallucination. What? <laughs> the fuck? Alright, whatever. Uh, a trance-like trawl through fractured memories, a murder mystery, and the psychic limbo of cultural displacement. From his exile in Cairo, a former police investigator undergoes hypnosis in order to relive his memories of Europe and his last case, for which he went to dangerous lengths to enter the mind of and catch a serial killer targeting children. Bathed in a sulfurous piss glow, pierced only by the startling flashes of electric mm. blue and red, the element of crime combines hard-boiled noir, dystopian science fiction, and dazzling operatic flourishes to yield a cellular nightmare of terrifying beauty the i did not was yellow huh <laughs> you said sulfurous piss glow and it, the word was just yellow it just yeah, says yellow this is piss this movie has a piss filter i mean that's it's fine. true but he said sulfurous the, the mr criterion said sulfurous yeah well i said harsh expression is hallucination so mm-hmm. that's yeah, not this it, is, it doesn't really matter. We're playing I think fast. We're all and loose over the, the place this written. episode. Yeah, that's fine. So I didn't know that this was supposed to be science fiction. Obviously, I mean, I was watching the movie. I know that I there mean, was this, this, this. It wasn't our world as we know it exactly, but mm-hmm. I didn't necessarily interpret it as being like a future version of Europe. But it does make sense. Because well, I mean, I, I thought about like, I thought about how all of the place names are German, but mm-hmm. everybody speaks English, and I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. But no, that makes sense. It's like in the future, you know, how in Blade Runner, there's Japanese shit everywhere because everything's all mixed up. I didn't interpret it as being in the future, but I definitely was like, oh, this is like one of those science fiction things where it's like, it's just an excuse to not find out how things work. And just be like, I don't know, he's a detective, and he reports to uh, uh, a, a chief. Yeah, that's it. And it's like, oh, that's not how detectives work. And it's like, well, it's we're in the future, so. Uh, oh, that's how detectives work. We're in an alternate universe, so. Except that's for how detectives work. Uh, all contraire. Uh, detective Pikachu reports to no one. Detective Pikachu reports to Arceus. <laughs> um, this 
movie is uh, very similar to Alphaville or Stalker, where it's like sci-fi light. Oh, really? Is it similar to Stalker? Interesting. <laughs> it is very, very, Interesting. very, very, very similar that hadn't, to Stalker. That hadn't occurred to me. Are there two movies that are not sequels to each other slash uh, made by the same guy that have been this similar to each other? They're so... I mean, in, in, our, in, in our watching through, I mean. Well, oh, in our watching through? No, absolutely not. I would say that we have to qualify it a little bit because this movie is similar to very specific parts of Stalker and Tarkovsky mm. in general. Like right. it's, Rublev. I, I remember hearing or seeing something about how Von Tra- obviously he cribbed from Tarkovsky a lot, um, mm-hmm. and he ended up hearing that Tarkovsky ended up watching this and hated it, which is really <laughs> funny. <laughs> Good for Tarkovsky. I think, though, that Tarkovsky needs to take a long look at the, himself in the mirror. In mirror, even. And he's in dead. Mirror, yeah. He's long dead. Oh, well, he can come back. Reincarnated as a Pokemon. I don't know how Pokemon... Finally. <laughs> no. He can be a died was a ditto. <laughs> Man. What the fuck are you talking about today? It's this a, is new for sci-fi. you. It's a science fiction episode where the world building mm. is stupid and sporadic and comes out in random ways like that. So we all come back as Pokemon when we die. That sounds badass, actually. I'd be Jinx. <laughs> for reasons that I don't want to get into. Are you uh, silent because you're uh, looking up Jinx? No, no, I know who Jinx is. Oh, okay. <laughs> And I'd do the voice, too. I was just trying to figure out which Pokemon I'd be, and I've decided I'd be Kirby. What's your favorite Pokemon? Uh, actually, legitimately? Yeah. Squirtle, I, unfortunately. That's <laughs> I already, not a bad answer. I have I a really good Pokemon. answer, though. Uh-huh. Wait, I have two really good answers. I'm not sure which one. My favorite Pokemon is either Lickitung or Altaria. Okay, I'm going to have to look up Altaria, but I know Lickitung. I'm awesome. assume that it's going to be someone different. who can lick you because I think that that's seems to be a theme uh, for you. Let me see. You you really Whoa, like wait? Me. What? Hold on. What does that mean? <laughs> you really like being licked? Uh, oh, wait, wait. Hold on. No. Alt- wait. Why Altaria? Altaria is like a cloud thing. Because it's a great design. Its cloud turns into wings. It's a bird in clouds, and it turns into wings. It's like a All mystical. Right. Yeah, I'm. It's like it feels like a folkloric creature that could have existed. But right. doesn't like they just it looks created like a dra- from the ground up like an iconic creature. It looks like a Chinese dragon a little bit. It's got those like kind of tendrils coming off of it, and then yeah, it's, but it's made out of cloud. And it's I believe ways. it's oh hold on a second I think it's dragon flying, or it might just be flying and it learns dragon um, moves. It is oh it's uh, dragon flying by in in base which is really cool because it doesn't look like a dragon but it's like yeah you're right it's sort of dragon esque and then it turns dragon fairy when it's Megaltaria. Oh I hate really cool. Swablu. Which I like Swablu. It's one cute. that evolves into Altaria. Okay. It's I cute. like Altaria. I, I'm I'm on I'm on board. Altaria, pretty good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Swal, uh, Swal, uh, can go eat a ditto or something. I don't know. Oh my god, how would that taste? Probably pretty good. Probably, <laughs> Probably. like pink lemonade. Hold on a second. <laughs> I could eat a ditto. <laughs> Wait, no, Sean, that's Andre Tarkovsky. Oh <laughs> fuck. <laughs> This keeps happening. 
Oh. I thought this movie was really good. I like this movie a lot. Wait, I'm sorry to sidetrack. I, I, I feel like a little kid because I'm just in this mo- mode of kind of like, I don't know what to say. It's like, I found this movie kind of boring and not in a like, whatever, not in a like, it's so slow kind of way. In kind of a, the story itself was kind of dull way. I, I don't think that it really justified its aesthetics by making a a strong bit of writing instead it just kind of meanders about and tells you what it's gonna do and then does it it's like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna study a man who did crime oh how are you gonna study him i'm gonna study him by like recreating everything he did oh do you think that's gonna drive you crazy uh no who's that who has the high voice (laughs) is that me michael jackson (laughs) oh my god He's Michael back Jackson. finally. <laughs> hey, Michael, how you doing? Oh, you know, it's been a it's been a long time since I now. Now, Michael Jackson is a black man, so does this count? Oh, for something not, that no, you no, 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 no! Wait, wait, wait! It's not offensive. He was a ditto the whole time. There we go. Perfect. That's the so... sound a ditto makes when you fuck it. <laughs> the elephant of uh, green. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lars von Trier's The Element of Crime is a strange movie. Uh, it's a guy, he he goes and he recreates uh, what a criminal did, and uh, it turns out he turns criminal, and uh, he's a bad guy. And oh man, he's gonna, he's, 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 he's gone crazy now. Uh, it's just shot so well. It's a beautiful movie. I don't even, okay, let me take that back. It is not a beautiful movie. It is not well good to look at. It is a well-composed movie. It is maybe one of the most technically impressive movies we've seen yet in the collection, where I genuinely watched every, like many, many, many of these shots and went, how did they do that? And it is, it's a powerful piece of filmmaking uh, that is used for nothing. I am actually now excited looking at like Lars von Trier's filmography to see if he like oh this is his first feature a lot of first features are like this where they kind of decide that they're a good director and decide to direct you know the heck out of a pretty poor script and i feel like this is just a a version of that and um i'm excited to see more lars von trier where he starts to direct the heck out of decent movies uh i i I just felt that this was kind of a lesser effort and it'll it'll fall near the bottom sort of at the chronos level of things where i'm like i mean yeah cool go do something more interesting so i've seen one von trier movie i've seen antichrist and i like that okay but i wasn't expecting to love this as much as i did you were expecting i mean once you watched it you were expecting me to love this a lot more than i was right but it's just it's it's the perfect combination aesthetically of so many things that I love. It's, I mean, the, the main thing is it, it cribs the sort of stalker aesthetic of industrial sort of detritus. It's mm. like, I, I mean, the, I compare it to the Saw movies because it's like, okay, the, the world is this nightmare of discarded metal and, and rusted abandoned warehouses and trash. And, you know, I, there's this movie called Tetsuo the Iron Man you may have heard of. Uh, if if it, you it, it listen to this podcast for one episode straight. for 15 minutes, then you've you've heard of it. But it unironically is actually very evocative of this uh, in a different way. But that this sort of 
understanding of the world, this near future slash alternate history slash whatever of mm. the world as being this dystopic array of just discarded metal um, and everybody just being choked and trapped by garbage. It's, it's this beautiful, incredible vision that is held together by like this perfect storm of incredible set design incredible direction and a, a magnificent eye for shots and making use of of varied angles and camera movements i mean it's it's one of the only things that we've seen so far where almost every shot i think not only is this a good shot i could not do this i would not be capable of right of having the eye that someone would need in order to capture something this perfectly. And the way that Von Trier makes it even more difficult on himself by incorporating all of these complex camera movements and the piss filter and the shadows, it's just, it's it like, this is one of those where I basically don't believe that I'm equipped at all to, to talk about how visually beautiful it is like i try i i never thought of myself as like a film critic but i try when i'm watching these things that have the ability to express how you know how something played out in my whenever, brain while i'm seeing whenever you screen, say that i can't i literally cannot <laughs> you always sound like forrest gump mm-hmm. being like i may not be a smart man <laughs> i may not be a film critic but i know what beautiful movies are and yeah yeah, I would say I'm the white forest gump. No, that's that's pretty good. No, you're but no, you've got some insight, Sean. You always are underselling yourself. You you're, well, you're then I come up against something like this though, and like I don't fucking know how to talk about it. Like literally, just look, just walk, just, just look out. It's yeah, it kinda. Is, I touched. It is a beautiful thing. Um, but let's talk about what we really disagree on because there's right. I don't I don't know. You know, you wouldn't phrase it as highly as me, but I don't necessarily know if you would disagree with the principle behind what I'm saying visually. Right? Am I more or less right? No, oh, visual. No, I think this is visually well made. I think this is visually, uh, like I said, one of the. This isn't the best cinematography. I don't think I would even put it in the top 20 of the cinematography that we've covered because we cover a lot of really well shot movies. But I would say exactly what you said. It is the one of the most impressive movies I've ever seen. It, it just immediately. It, I don't know how you would shoot this. I don't know how you would light this. I don't know what you would even how you would even start. And I think in general, um, it pulls off the the very basic movie magic that I that I come to the movies for. I want to leave every single movie with at least one element that I go like, how did they do that? You know, mm-hmm. and uh, we don't always get that, and I and I and I miss it. Uh, so I I really appreciate that this is one of those movies that does that. Um, but you know, I just think that the uh, the 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 story doesn't you know maybe uh, hold up very well, and generally can can get a little kind of kind of stale or whatever. Sure, let's talk about that. So I would. I think where we basically agree is that this is a very cliched story. Um, it's very much a police procedural and, and a lot of it can get pretty exhausting in the way that it's just, 
here's the asshole commissioner, you know, here's the old mentor, yeah. here's the, the cop mirroring the criminal. Like, yeah, all of that, basically all of it, I think is kind of tiresome and, and done in a way that I don't think is particularly impressive. The story, no. I mean, I want to draw a line between the story and the script for me here. We could basically agree that the story is not only not impressive, but sort of distracting in how unambitious uh, and and derivative right. it seems to be. Because it seems like it's going to be like, uh, you're right, I like that word, distracting. Because you think it's going to be more complex than it is. You think that there's going to be a good... I don't know. Like, like with the, with the movie so told like this, I immediately started getting um, kind of interested in, like, okay, well, great, if it's, like, directed, if it's the sulfurous thing, if it's going to be this alternate version of our, our world or whatever, then there must be, like, this complex plot or whatever. And it's like, no, he it kind of just turns into him going crazy, and and there's this woman, and he has sex with her, and... They have a really bad relationship in the end, you know, and I don't, I don't need it to be complex. I don't need it to be like some like grandiose thing, but I don't know. It's the poor sketch of humanity that just doesn't feel like there's any truth to it outside of it's just artificial beauty. Well, like, like, it, it, like it boils down to the phrase, like, we do be going crazy sometimes, you know, like it doesn't feel like it, it like apocalypse now a movie that could be read so many ways that makes so much sense and yes uh, the guy goes crazy at the end but there's so much more to the entire movie to the journey that brings him there there's so much thematic richness to what it says about war about the specific war that it's commenting on about the nature of man about the trials that we go through about uh uh you know our relationship to to sex or to each other or to to men on uh, man on man uh action whether it's a oh, hello man on man action where <laughs> affectionate or not right uh and then oh honey the there's no when... affection when i do it <laughs> and also just the i mean coming back and marlon brando at the end just be representing this thing and then it turns out that he's a ditto it just it all comes together in such a perfect way and i just think element of crime just doesn't do that it just ends up being like i don't know he's crazy anyway like the world is all messed up. And it vaguely, I know that there's some vague politics that maybe is trying to talk about that I'm un, uh, unable to, to, to talk about. This is a, a part of uh, the Europe trilogy for the Criterion Collection. And so, um, w you know, it very much feels like it's connected to something going on. There are three European movies in the collection. One of three. <laughs> the rest of them. Right. But this, uh, you know, this is a 1984 film about Europe, and I don't know necessarily if i have a reading of what it's saying about european politics but aside that aside i don't think that i have much of a reading about what this says about humanity or about our relationship to each other or society as a whole other than i don't know it sucks well i don't yeah i don't even know if i would disagree there Varn, Varn, my impression of von trier is basically that he's just sort of a a vague nihilist um and not in a specially mature way. And he is very much the kind of guy who you complain about where there is just portray. It's like misery porn, you know, just portraying the, the absolute depths of, of misery and human, you know, suffering without necessarily having imagination beyond that. But 
the thing that makes this really special for me is just, I mean, first of all, I, I want to agree in many cases with you because I don't, I think this is not an especially thematically rich film. I don't think that there's a lot to be said about the human condition here, but I am somebody for whom style can be and often is substance. And what I really like about this is that you would kind of, the impression that you get from it is that it's something that would sort of hold its cards close to its chest on purpose, where it's the kind of pretentious where it's like, oh, teasing you with how much you don't get it. But what I like about it is how upfront and honest it is in a sense, because everything, even though this, there's this dreamlike detached, strange alien quality to the whole thing of characters talking past each other or small bits of reality, not matching up like Kim having a star on her breast, which he described his wife as having his wife as having like, it's pretty easily contextualized by the opening scene where we're told, Hey, this is a, This is a man who is under hypnosis, who is recalling his own subjective experience and narrating it through in an an Um, artificially induced state. And the worst, uh, uh, what do you call it? Bookends in the world. I guess it doesn't really happen at the end. No, the bookends are great. I love the bookends. I love the opening and the ending scene because everything is contextualized so cleanly in that way where everything that happens plays by the rules very clearly. There's nothing that's just a The framing device, though, is so, like... Is it weird because it's him in his mind? No, but it is. There's a clear answer. It always is because it's weird in his mind. Anything weird that happens, you can immediately intuit as being a result of that, of being what he wants to recall, of what is advantageous for him to recall. Why is there a blue star on Kim's breast? Because in that moment, you know, he, he conflated Kim and his wife. Okay, why did he conflate Kim and his wife? These are things that... These are questions that are that don't necessarily have clear answers, but you're Mm. given pretty specifically the clues of why you how you can put them together. And that's why I think the character ends up being interesting, despite the fact that it's he is a very cliched and generic character in that and his arc is, like you said, tiresome and played out because we're seeing it from this very unique perspective of cards on the table everything up front we're giving you everything you need to understand it and expressing it in this visually stunning incredible way i was not bored at all i am somebody who is not who has problems focusing on movies especially when i'm watching them in my own home i was glued to the screen the entire time i was in wrath that is strange (laughs) it's in my opinion obviously like there's this incredible incredible sense of character to the whole thing because Mm. you are it it frames it in a very deliberate way that we're seeing absolutely everything from this completely subjective angle i like the there's a lot in this movie that i that makes me want to actively rewatch it and start hunting for clues which i don't see a lot like the whole idea of what cairo is and represents like Mm. the like 
so much is made of him being an expatriate who was living in Cairo, but we don't see anything of it. He shakes the sand out of his pant leg. He's constantly referring back to it. Everyone else is referring back to it. Like, it feels like there's this whole other movie that's happening underneath the surface. And I don't think that that's thematic depth necessarily. And maybe, you know, you could even argue that it's shallow because it's gesturing at all of these things that it doesn't explore. But I, I love that. I, it feels like environmental storytelling in a video game. It's the, the scribbles on a wall in Left 4 Dead 2, where it's all these little things that, that feel, that serve the purpose of not only giving you something to think about and, oh, think that the movie is smart, but it's deepening the character, the aesthetic and thematic character of the film. Um, I, I think the one thing that would stop me from really saying, like, this is basically a masterpiece is there isn't really one incredibly strong performance to hinge it on. Von Trier doesn't really Mm. seem all that interested in making his actors make interesting choices. Like in Mm. the voiceover that, and I uh, like, what's the main guy? What's the main guy's name? Elphick. I I don't know what the, what his actual name is. I was about to comment on Michael Elphick as an actor mm-hmm. who I like in something else and I'm just realizing I probably don't because his his top credits are I bought a vampire motorcycle and three up two down and boon so I bought I, a vampire motorcycle is coming up pretty quick for us right it's like spine number 172 oh yeah totally 100% yeah, I would coming be, right up that would be so fun but yeah, I, I don't think he's bad in this movie. It's just mm-hmm. like w- with his voiceover, you can hear a lot of his readings are just kind of like slightly mispronouncing things or his inflection is very slightly wrong. Mm-hmm. Just little clues that directing actors wasn't the absolute main priority here. Um, and I think that that falls squarely on Von Trier's shoulders. I think Kim's, it, even though her actress is like fine, I don't think it's her fault. I think she's easily the weakest part of the whole thing. I think her character is just every cliche mm, of woman yeah. in noir. And I uh, I, I wish I that... Don't ha- I almost don't have a read on her. I'm almost generous about her performance because I'm like, I don't know. She showed up and did the thing that she was supposed to do. <laughs> you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, I agree. I don't think that there's anything yeah. really to say about her. Um, yeah. Other than I, I wish that she were more developed, but... Right. I uh, I love the, the character and the feel of this thing. I think that there's an incredible amount of, of visual things that I missed. And I'm very excited to rewatch it and to show it to people. And then they mm. say, hey, that sucked and was boring. And then I say, okay, I'm sorry. Sean, you, you have this, you brought this up multiple times. Like, this is the kind of movie I'd show at a party or whatever. Yeah. Or, when you when you put on this kind of movie at a party or whatever, I, I want to know how often you've put on a movie at a party. Never, never. Okay. Nope, not once. All right, not interested. Just thought I just thought I'd ask. Uh, moving on and forward, because oh wait wait because this is our New Year's episode. Maybe we should put on yeah. a movie now. Oh okay, I'll do that okay. right now. <laughs> yeah, cue 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 up the vampire motorcycle movie that sounds great i absolutely will what was it called uh i don't know vampire motorcycle movie i think that was the title pretty sure i can work with that
Yep. Alfred Hitchcock's Notorious. With this twisted love story. I'm sorry. Did you have anything else to say? <laughs> just about Elvis. Because I'm sorry. I just honestly do. do I, I'm out. I'm, I'm very not. I, I was going to move on as a funny thing, but I don't want to be a jerk. I actually just don't have anything else to say. Uh, I vi- yeah, I Oh, dude, I the kid. Some good stuff. I don't hate it. I think it's pretty good in you some remember ways. Remember the the little kid with the art when he was drawing? Mhm. He drew an among us. Did he really? Yeah, he drew an among us. Go back and look at it. It's very among us. It's That's giving Seuss. S- did I did I tell the story when I was working at the tutoring center and the kid drew an among us? No. I want to hear this. Well, it was he was a little kid. I think he was on the spectrum in some capacity, but he was sketching something on a note card. I go over, I look, and I see it's the Among Us guy pretty clearly taking shape, and I'm kind of watching. I'm going, hey, Nathan, uh, what are you what are you drawing there? And then he finishes the drawing, and then he next to it, he writes S-U-S, and then he points to it, and he said, it's Seuss. <laughs> because he had seen the picture and he had seen the word written but he didn't know the context he was just like oh Seuss that's that guy's name <laughs> so now when I see the Among Us guy I look at it and I say it's Seuss that's pretty good old cow I like that. that kid that W kid <laughs> W Nathan he doesn't know anything about Among Us, and he just he just thought the design was cool, and he named him Seuss. It's awesome. And God bless him for it. Speaking it's, of Seuss. Speaking of Seuss. The master of suspense. There we go. Alfred Hitchcock. With his twisted love story, Alfred, I'm going to say it every time, Alfred Hitchcock summoned darker shades of suspense and passion by casting two of Hollywood's most beloved stars starkly against type. Ingrid Bergman plays Alicia, an alluring woman with a checkered past recruited by Devlin, Cary Grant, a suave, mysterious intelligence agent to spy for the U.S. Only after she has fallen for Devlin does she learn that her mission is to seduce a Nazi industrialist Claude Rains hiding out in South America, coupling inventive cinematography with brilliantly subtle turns from his mesmerizing leads. Hitchcock orchestrates an anguished romance shot through with deception and moral ambiguity. A thriller of rare perfection, Notorious represents a pinnacle of both its director's legendary career and classic Hollywood cinema. We have a checkered past with Alfred Hitchcock. Actually, it's not checkered. We do. It's, really it's bad. It's past. the all the black checker boards because <laughs> they're all love... or red. What's the bad right. square or white? Whichever what are one. the two? The Whichever red one is black. Bad. I don't or know. if you're if you're Whichever on... one doesn't go first. Uh, I don't think that there's someone who goes first in checkers. Is there? Well, then the game would never start. Be a pretty fucking oh, bad wait, game. Oh dang! Wait, hold on. Checkers roasted. Um, yeah, so far we have covered The 39 Steps, The Lady Vanishes, and The Man Who Knew Too Much, uh, from, from Alfred Hitchcock in the Criterion Collection. And I chose Notorious because it's probably the most famous of the Hitchcock movies that we have left. And, uh, you know what? It's better than those movies, for sure. And I really liked it. I thought it was really good. I am disappointed it's not on the level of uh rear window or vertigo or uh even maybe like movies i really like like the trouble with harry or 
okay, it's maybe at that level. Or like, Harry and trouble with Harry or dial him for murder. Harry and the Hendersons, right? Um, but I thought it was pretty cool. And I think that it was, I could even see being convinced that this was a great movie. Uh, Sean, what did you think of this movie? Don't you think Alfred did his best? Look, look, Sean, he, he made us a movie. He did. Wow, thanks, <laughs> Alfred. Thanks for the movie. Yeah, I don't know. It just... I I almost don't want to watch Rear Window again because I have such a strong memory of really, really liking it, but maybe oh, I'm wow. just not good at this game. No, these rules. Keep it there in your head, Sean. It's, a, it's the top ten movies of all time. Come on, Sean. I mean, you gotta... I want you to talk about Notorious and take the lead on it because my complaints essentially are pretty simple. They just boil down to an imbalance of, of the elements that I found interesting. I thought that the spy thriller elements were just not especially strong at all. Like the element of infiltration and, and, you know, pretending to be somebody that you're not like, that's, I feel like there's, pretty easy ways to make that interesting Mm -hmm. and it just completely uh went in favor of like the love triangle element with three characters that i don't think are especially interesting i will say katherine hepburn love triangle element interesting yeah like of katherine hepburn like going in between devlin and this i mean not a love triangle exactly but it's bergman this is Ingrid Bergman, not Catherine Hepburn. Ah, oh, motherfucker. Is it? At least you didn't say Ingmar. That would have been crazy. That would have been crazy. That would have been nuts. That would have been I totally up, radical. Listen, mixing up mixing up the Bergmans is one thing. Mixing up the Hepburns for each other is another. But a Hepburn mm. for a... Fuck. For a Bergman. That's pretty good. That's not bad. That is bad. I'm sorry. That sucks. <laughs> you know what? Fuck whatever I was saying. It's your turn now because I just I just seeded the fucking talking. Uh, I stick. think that, I think this movie is a a genuinely very compelling thriller with great suspense. Uh, I think that it's uh, a powerful uh, has some powerful filmmaking in it that is, but also can once in a while kind of rest its camera and just chill out. I think that a lot of its cinematography feels very very intentional, but not always it's not perfect um and i i I think that both leads are really compelling i like Cary grant as kind of a jerk who who event like kind of comes around a little bit but um i and i really like uh i think ingrid bergman is super compelling on screen and i think that this is one of her her better roles i think she uh nails alicia in in sort of this like i have actual legitimate problems it's not it, I'm not just like some person like she's she you would kind of see this in nine movies out of ten of this era that would just be like oh this woman has a problem the problem is she just needs a guy or whatever you know like that sort of like basic kind mm-hmm. of look and I think that Bergman plays Alicia at the way that she should be played like she is a complex character she's got this father that she's got uh, that, that has messed with her she has a drinking problem she is uh very uh fearful but also very capable at the same time and that makes for a really interesting mix she can totally uh you know be able to seduce a guy whenever she wants but also she longs for a little bit of stability i think that 
she's she's cool. I I would like to you know sit down and knock back a couple glasses with Alicia. Yeah, she's an actual mess. Like mm-hmm. she is just. She has her drinking problems, obviously. She's obviously, like, very bored and resentful of her life, but also kind of too cowardly, slash too repressed, slash too trapped to to get out of it. Like, she, there is, and there's this constant back and forth of her, you know, falling into her vices and Devlin kind of pushing her into it. I That's... I I kind of wish that there wasn't really a romance angle between her and Devlin because him as an antagonist is just so much more interesting. And Mm. I I get that part of what deepens that is the fact that it's the flip side of, you know, antagonistic slash, you know, affection and that being sort of the the balancing act there. But I just didn't really buy them. I, I really bought them as adversarial, but never really as affectionate to each other. Um, but but I agree that the character of Alicia overall is the the strong central pillar uh, of the the dramatics of this. I think we've well established that I have a I don't want to even say a soft spot for Cary Grant. I generally just there's very it's very rare that I'll be like bad Cary Grant performance you know strike one or whatever uh, because of arsenic and old lace we've already talked about and it, it, I, I think we talked about him at some other point I can't remember. But he, I think that he rules as well. I think that him playing against type, playing someone who is not a victim of circumstance, who's very imposing, very masculine, very like uh, uh, direct, very uh, kind of strong and very standoffish is effective and i don't just say that because of his screen persona i hate to say like oh i love this movie because of what it isn't i think that he genuinely executes this character very well and i think its character suits this story i like i i I think all the suspense sequence the entire third act is just perfect to me basically everything from the party starting to uh the ending sequence where she's being walked down the stairs is awesome she she gets sick he you know looks for her they have a little bit of verbal sparring matches they have a lot of verbal sparring matches in this movie and i love i'm a big fan of those uh we don't get a lot of those in the collection because most of the movies we cover or at least a lot of the movies we cover are not in english um and so the verbal sparring is is kind of falls by the wayside. No one argues not in English. English is actually the only language with disagreement. Oh, of course, we all know this. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's why we're so fucked up. That's yeah. why everything's fucking wrong with. No, this actually, country. I agree. Disagree with you, Sean. Mm-hmm. I, I have to disagree with you because we're both speaking English. So. Oh hell you know, no! That's totally not it. What the fuck no, did I... you just fucking say about me? <laughs> I think that. Notorious is a very, very, I'm losing energy. I'm losing steam, man. Uh, I think Notorious is a really good movie. I think it's Alfred Hitchcock, one of, not maybe necessarily one of Alfred Hitchcock's best, but it's definitely in his top, in his, it, it, it breaches his solo line. It's really well made. I think that the cinematography is amazing, and that third act is full of uh, great shots. Like, you know, obviously there's the Cartierian cover of, of her hand behind him holding the key. There's uh, the shot of sort of peering at them through the glass when they're making out uh, by the... Uh, by, by the wine cellar. There's uh, all this kind of, uh, you know, the slow putting together of the thing. There's the the... 
all of uh, Hitchcock's obsessions are here, whether it's like secret agents or the the motherly figure in the background of this villain's life or uh, all this stuff. It, it, and I think Hitchcock executes it very well. Um, I think that the, the shot of him going back into the house that, that, that is the final shot is terrifying and uh, and very much and and poignant and not doesn't just tell you the story but really shows you the story and how it gives you an emotional climax to the thing uh i really like it man um i i don't think it's I, I this is the hitchcock i've kind of been waiting for but at the same time i really wish that this was like a new discovery like oh this is one of the great hitchcock movies it's one of the great and i and i i'm a little disappointed at that angle but this makes me kind of be like, yeah, I'm not ashamed to say Alfred Hitchcock is one of my maybe not, one of my favorite filmmakers, you know. Yeah, um, I I just kind of wish that we saw more of the flashes of greatness that I see and obviously acknowledge, like the de- the editing with sure. you know the understanding of tension, obviously, and how intentional mm-hmm. and uh, how the filmmaking sort of warps around creating that effect. Um, like shooting for the edit in a sense and the depth of the shadows and a lot of these shots. I mean, this is the one that I watched a while ago. So there's a lot of things that I can't recall for specific examples, but Mm. there's, there is this sense always of any given shot can be great, but Mm -hmm. so often it feels like there's this kind of settling for, well, I'm just going to do a straightforward little, little thing with, them talking at at the table or whatever you know it's as opposed to something like you know like in the element of crime where every shot is perfect it's like uh, you know yeah every shot is very well intentioned or specifically intentioned in element of crime and yeah you know it's flashier obviously it doesn't mean it's better but you know for my sensibilities as a very stupid man (laughs) no you're you're smart sean you speak english um, uh, glad you said it, not me. <laughs> that, that was actually. Let's cut that out. I don't want to have someone to have that sound bite later. <laughs> Too late. I think. Uh, no, yeah, I, 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 I don't even think it's like necessarily a clash of sensibility. I think that Hitchcock just he has his scenes, he has his moments. I w- I, and his moments actually, I think, compose most of this movie. I think maybe 51% of this movie is these very intentional, well-orchestrated shots. And then every once in a while, they'll just sit down and put down the camera on sticks and be like, all right, let's let's just get through this dialogue or whatever. And uh, sometimes it really rules and sometimes it doesn't. And it just, it, it could be perfection and it just isn't. And uh, yeah. I, I, especially I react harshly to Criterion's description of this as a thriller of rare perfection, even though, like I said, I really enjoyed this movie. I will buy this movie. I'll probably rewatch it more than a lot of the movies we have in the collection. Um, but you know, it's not perfect. It's, it's pretty cool. It's fun. Um, and let's move on. Okay. So next up, we've got my pick. Because I wanted a movie that was going to make Anthony miserable and everybody miserable because it's just a a mean little movie. This is Sam Peckinpah's Straw Dogs. In this thriller, 
Pratt's Sam Peckinpah's most controversial film, David, a young American mathematician, moves with his English wife Amy to the village where she grew up. Their sense of safety unravels as the local men David has hired to repair their house prove more interested in leering at Amy and intimidating David, beginning an agonizing initiation into the iron laws of violent masculinity that govern Peckinpah's world. Working outside the U.S. for the first time, the filmmaker airlifts the ruthlessness of the western frontier into Cornwall in Straw Dogs, pushing his characters to their breaking points as the men brutalize Amy and David discovers how far he'll go to protect his home, culminating in a harrowing climax that lays out this cinematic mastermind's eloquent and bloody vision of humanity. I This is the first Sam Peckinpah film that I had seen. Is that also true of you? Yeah, 100%. I I knew uh, I know that he's like a war filmmaker primarily, or that's one of the bigger things that he's known for. This is probably his most well known work, though, and I I appreciated in the description that I mean they didn't directly acknowledge his his roots as a as a war filmmaker, but people seem to frequently draw that corollary of kind of taking the war home and the savagery and and misery of armed conflict being transported into a domestic environment and you know in this case the mr criterion was observing kind of taking the western frontier and transporting it into a different context and oh. i think that's a really interesting way of looking at because one of the big questions of this movie is what the fuck is wrong with everybody why does everybody mm-hmm. gotta be so damn weird <laughs> Because it's all about, like, these insane people who are just, uh, it's kind of difficult to describe, but there's this sense that just evil has infected and tainted every aspect of this town. And David and Amy are just sort of normal people who have been transported into an alternate dimension where just cruelty is the norm and everyone is just looking for an excuse to boil over. Um. This there's this incredible sense that every single person has this sort of eldritch taint of of something like yeah this this sense of barely restrained violence that everyone is just looking for an excuse to trot out and like the the village itself has this very weird sense of being kind of a corrupt mirror image you know bizarro world version of this sort of rural closely knit setting because all of the i mean there's obviously all of the the negative aspects of you know isolation and unaccountability and people being you know uh, averse to outsiders but all of the positive aspects too or what at least the villagers profess to be positive aspects like oh you know we take care of our own we we really stand in line behind each other like that's it's either not true because they're just looking for an excuse to lynch the mentally disabled guy, or it is true, but corrupt in some way. Like, yeah, we'll all stick by each other, you know, which means we're all going to form up and not ask questions when one of us is psychologically and physically torturing you guys. And we're all just mm-hmm. going to do the same thing because, you know, we stick together. So this, it it's a very evil movie in at least one sense. Um, in the way where these characters are occupying an evil and corrupt world. But, you know, you, you could also, and I think that's going to make comprise the bulk of our discussion, discuss, of course, what its actual ideological standing is. So 
let's let's get into this. What do we disagree about in terms of what this movie is trying to say? First of all, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think we like this about the same amount. I would I, say I, so, yeah, but for different very reasons, much, which is interesting. I very much think that this is a well-made movie. Can we agree on that? Like, let's yes. let's throw out some aesthetics. It's uh, I, I I think for me it really starts in the second half with the the midpoint, the the big turning point being, of course, uh, we, we we're going to talk some really heavy subjects. So I'm just putting that out there before we talk. But yeah, content know. warning for sure. This is a yeah, this is a nasty warning. one. Yeah. Um, there with a rape scene is kind of the turning point of the movie. That's the movie. That's the point where the movie really, I think, kicks into uh, well-made cinematography, well-made perspective, and the the, the lighting t- takes a uh, start starts to take a tr- turn towards sort of darker tones instead of this kind of flat gray that's been going on for the whole movie. Uh, the it's shot from different perspectives, and and the editing really gets frantic and does some really poignant stuff. Um, uh, including uh, cutting between her on the couch and had her 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 husband, kind of with no care in the world, kind of looking around for ducks and stuff. Um, and so I just wanted to throw that out there because I think that it's really cool that it. I think it's really well made. Yeah, uh, that. Yeah, it's kind of uncomfortable singing the praises of, of a scene that's depicting such a i mean obviously such a disgusting thing but Mm. in such a raw like awful way is this Mm. man i i'm not trying to say it like this but is this like the first like great like sexual assault scene we have in the collection just in turn yeah i no no but yeah oh yeah you had to say it i i think that's interesting to think about i'm sure that we're i'm sure that i'm that's probably not true. There's a lot of sexual assault in the movies that we cover, Sean. But um, I, I can't really think of a scene that's like, this is kind of the center point and the hinge thematically and one of the, if not the most fascinating filmmaking-wise. Because, I mean, obviously, mm. like you acknowledge, there's the editing between, the intercutting between that and Dustin Hoffman. But I really want to center the performances because... That to me is is the difference maker and what makes this scene so so fascinating because you have Amy or Susan George the way that I mean I don't know if this is what this was scripted or if this was Peck and Paw's direction or if, if if it was all you know Susan George making these choices but the halfway sort of consent not consensual but the way that she sort of grabs at him and pulls him closer and seems to reciprocate in some way is just this incredibly fascinating choice that you know people have criticized because it on some level seems to you know reinforce this idea that you know that rape can become consensual if the woman likes it but i don't know if that's necessarily what's at play here it it, Mm -hmm. it feels to me much more of like it, it made me hate the scene and and the effect that it created even more because i mean i i've never you know thank god been involved in in a situation of that stripe and it's something that you know that maybe like that any i'm trying to think of how exactly to to wrap my my explanation around this but any scene that is anything thing that is depicted that is so traumatic and so 
realistic in the sense that it's it's so awful that mm-hmm. you can vividly imagine it in your brain, even if you can't really experience it, you know, obviously through through mental simulation. Any rea- any human reaction almost feels plausible because the traumatic response it would be so confusing and so disarming that I can see any reaction being equally valid. And I read it as being sort of out of panic that at some, on some level, she, there was this, you know, maybe affection or regret that she had for this guy or some resentment against her husband. And Mm -hmm. it's not that she is enacting that willingly or, you know, giving into those desires. But I think it's more of just an autonomous physical reaction. Right. It's unconscious. It's completely unconscious and it it doesn't become consensual. It almost becomes more awful because her, her brain is getting thrown for such a loop that she's, she's doing things that are kind of otherwise would otherwise be impossible or otherwise be impossible to think of. It's, Hopefully, my, my I'm coming through here because it's a you, very, you, very difficult thing to describe. But I think you that the are, scene is although, made more awful. Yeah, um, yeah. for that and, and made you know. Sorry, yeah, go ahead. You are. I think that some people would argue that is its own uh, uh, sexist uh, interpretation of of what happens to uh, women being raped, where it's like she is she's completely you know at this she's lost autonomy she's at this person's mercy blah 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 she and and sort of even her emotions get like mangled with by someone else um yeah for sure but yeah and Mm -hmm. i don't think that that's necessarily i i think that i think what you just read is sort of mostly the way that i would interpret it as well i think this is a scene where she for there's for a second just this like okay i'm it's not a scene it's not a movie where she's like i'm taking charge that that's often used in movies where it's like there's a moment where there a woman decides like i i'm i'm being raped and now i'm going to decide that uh because i am in because i i i have to take autonomy here and so i'm gonna pretend that i let maybe not I'm going to 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 force myself to enjoy this as much as I possibly can, or I'm going to impose my own will upon that. That happens in movies. I'm trying to think of another movie. I was actually scrolling through the list for this very horrifying uh, comparison, but I, the only the, the, the movie I was thinking about recently is uh, Paul Verhoeven has his very first movie called uh, Blood and Night, Blood and Water, something like that. Uh, but he in in that movie he depicts a, a woman in midi in, the mid, in medieval times being raped and her deci- her decision to sort of like be like no 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 I own this and that makes everyone because whatever it it shames the guy into being like actually never mind and like leave her alone a very very interesting weird scene but that is not what's being done here that happens in a lot of honestly that happens in a lot of movies where it's like no no no, she's gonna own it and then that like you know scares off the guy or at least it makes her feel better about what's happening a little bit or it just is her own defense mechanism going up whether or not it helps or not and Mm. i don't think that's what's happening i think no i I don't think there's any kind of i think that it's purely destructive yes and and sort of uh reactionary and like you said emotional uh it's a, it's a very very 
strong immediate response. It's it's Stockholm syndrome, like a muscle reaction. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and you know, it's really interesting that immediately afterwards, uh, you know, another guy comes in and she again like resists and throws herself around and 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 freaks out. Um, but uh, then the movie continues. And the rest of the movie is about Dustin Hoffman, for more or less. There's there's some other stuff that happens. She has very traumatic flashbacks to what happened. Um, and then Dustin Hoffman has to defend his house from the invaders uh, coming into his house. And she's defending his house from, uh, yeah, from, 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 uh, from rapists. And... Yeah, and it's... I... I... I, this is something that I didn't really put together and I'm kind of embarrassed that it's happening now because uh-huh. I think it's a very intentional, clear part of the film. But like right. the the drawing the parallel between a woman having her body invaded and a man having his home invaded. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, not necessarily. I, I don't know if I would say that the movie is necessarily equivocating that. Well, no, I, I think it is. A little I think bit. it is in a sense, not necessarily saying, oh, this is as bad as each other, but like, yeah, that, like I said, I'm kind of embarrassed oh, that I didn't oh, really you're put saying that like together. Equiv- yeah. Y- yeah. I think like, that you're making that parallel. I don't necessarily saying they're, the, they're like, it's the same amount of horror. I think it's just. I think it's kind of equivocating them in the sense of like, this is the male version kind of, of being raped. Yeah, I, a little it, bit. I don't. I, I. This is what I think. I think that the, that this movie is actually a little blind to that reading, that idea, because I think that this movie is more concerned with forcing Dustin Hoffman into a place in which he will suddenly act very masculine, and the way to do that is not to threaten this woman, but rather to threaten like his home, his integrity, his ability to. Uh, you know, surrender to whatever's going on or, or whatever his safety, what he feels is like he, what he possesses and what he possesses is not necessarily, um, just his wife in that way. Um, I think this movie is a really well-made piece of crap. I think that this, I, I generally just think that this, um... no, I think that this movie is, uh, no, I look, I like, I like watching this movie with some scenes notwithstanding. I think that the ending of this movie is, for the most part, genuinely thrilling in an ultra-violent kind of way. And I think that it's dangerous because I think that this movie is what a lot of other movies are considered, which is it is glorifies violence in a way that I think is uh, unacceptable. I think that it uh, uses... Um, the filmmaking to make very misogynistic ideas uh, really pop. Um, and look, I, I'm, I, I can be a fan of movies that are like, you know, men need to quote man up in, in some way. Ugh, that sounds, that's, that's really loaded to say that. What I mean is I, I can be, I, I can understand movies about like, you need to grow up. You need to be, a, you need to be stronger. You need to, to not just be a pushover. Scott Pilgrim is a movie about that. It has its own problematic le- legacy, but it is a movie about like, uh, like, you know, you can't be a 20 year old who just, you know, sleeps all day and eats ramen. You got to be able to stand up for what you believe in, even if it is uh, something as, 
ridiculous is like, uh, you know, taking a little bit of self-respect. So I don't think that that is an inherently sexist idea, but I do think that the way that this depicts it is in, is in a sexist way. I think this is a movie about um, that very much says Dustin Hoffman needs to be a man, and by be a man it means push around his wife and force her to submit to him, and eventually she will come come around and see that because he defended her, because he he really you know did the masculine macho thing of of defending her and finally standing up for himself that sh- he 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 has reached his peak as as a man and i find that uh pretty rough man uh in addition to the fact that this is just a movie that feels like it's a male fantasy it feels like it is it, which whatever male fantasies aren't inherently bad but it it is a uh a fantasy that is predicated upon sort of a misogynistic take on like she feels like Although there's complexity that lies within her in this movie, uh, it feels like this movie uh, kind of discards her in favor of just this very simple story about Dustin Hoffman being able to uh, defend himself. I mean, Straw Straw Dogs is the inspiration for Home Alone, and Home Alone is a very simple story about, like, a little kid who's like, this is my house, I need to defend it, where he has to, like, learn to take pride in his own – in his household – uh, and in his family and learn to be a better person and to do that he has to grow up he has to man up to a certain extent but that's like good <laughs> to a certain extent like you should be uh, uh an active person in your environment who is able to you know uh be there f- uh, for their family and not be a jerk and all that kind of thing this is not really a good lesson in my opinion and so i have i struggle really hard with it because I don't advocate for a lot of its ideas, but I can't uh, go against the fact that this is a thrilling piece of uh, movie making. I think I've touched on it in the past, but I'm somebody who I, I on some level kind of encourage not only the freedom of artistic expression, because I mm-hmm. think that's a pretty easy thing to get behind where people should broadly be able to make what, you know, the, not whatever they want, but well, it is, people should have the freedom to make whatever they feel like they should want. As many artistic options should be on the table as long as people don't really, you know, get fucked over by that. Sure. Obviously, we have to be sensitive to the the fact that art is, you know, a social thing and shouldn't, you know, cut against Especially the social and do more harm. Yeah, yeah it, it shouldn't do more harm then it does good but i i would kind of go one step further in the sense that like i kind of want evil art i like art with like bad messages that i disagree Mm. with because i want to see and understand and experience the full range of human expression and right the thing is that art you know any kind of art any kind of filmmaking has a leaning to agree with you know us like people who are socially progressive you know left of center by an american by yeah tends to be that definitely tends to be true i don't know if i would say that that is necessarily true across art in the full spectrum of human existence or time i don't know it in in the modern era at least it certainly is and a lot of in movies part of that is that like very much see that yeah Part of that is that reactionaries just tend to not make very good art. 
but and that's why when we have that's somebody we call like reactionary because we call that propaganda <laughs> well if, yeah if, but if it's it's like, holding a status quo then we tend to be like ah well it's propaganda it's well not. i don't know because like on some level i, I mean i don't want to give like reactionaries too much credit and say like oh they're revolutionaries they're bold they're cutting against the like but it's like in terms of art and in a lot of cultural spheres, like, yeah, their opinions are in the minority and they're regressive and they're bad. And it doesn't, you know, just because you're, you're fighting against the status quo doesn't mean that you're making good art or you're making good points. But I, I appreciate creating room for somebody like Sam Peckinpah who has these, these reactionary tendencies about, you know, Mm -hmm. traditional masculine values and the value of violence and, you know, kind of the, the right on some level to defend yourself but in a way that is i think intelligent and honestly pretty complex because i don't Mm -hmm. see this as a didactic you know demonstration of this is why violence is necessary because i think it does a great job of exploring potentially the destructive consequences of of violence and the sort of disconnect that is created between Amy and and Michael. Michael is his name, right? Uh, Michael seems like his name. Sure. Michael seems like his name. That, that's created between them because, I, I mean, even at the end when they sort of unify on some level, I feel mm-hmm. like Michael has this sense of of joy and catharsis that Amy just doesn't. And the necessity of of the the violence is interpreted by them in different ways and i just don't the the very ending scene when michael is is driving the disabled guy home and he you know gives the the line of not knowing his way home like that i think the there's too much ambiguity there for me to call this just a polemic piece about the the value of you know reactionary and traditional values Mm. i i think that the it's i'm there's a number of valid interpretations there but i i think that the ambiguity is is extant it's obvious and that it's key to why i like this so much which is that it's not just a a pure expression of you know certain values it's not didactic it's not trying to teach you to act or be in a certain way it's an exploration of these themes of violence of humanity of the reactions of people to you know the the darkness that you know could lie at the the absolute depths of the human heart and you know both in others and themselves and the complicated awful disgusting feeling that you get when you come into contact with it i think that just just by virtue of not being cut and dry um it elevates itself above what people might accuse it of being i think this is all right then i think that's our big disagreement i think it is cut and dry i don't think that this is i don't think this is that I, that's why I, I, I rated it on Letterboxd as four stars, and I think that's my big star is just like, I could have used some more complexity, <laughs> you know? And uh, in addition to the fact that it's just not – to me, it feels very straightforward. I, I don't – this almost reads like a fairy tale or a, or a, or like a kid's movie. I understand why they made Home Alone. It, it's very It's a very simple – 
conception. It's a it's a fantasy, like I said, and I think that it is a very direct um, calling out of sort of a a modern uh, man and modern woman's uh, flaws uh, in a way that I don't necessarily agree with as for what you were saying about like, uh, you know, being able to see evil art. Look, I want to be able to see evil art. I think that that is helpful for my experience as a critic. If you don't do not have, uh, if you, if you do not have, uh, that kind of perspective, if you don't, don't experience anything outside what you consider to be good or evil, you will not be able to really encounter all art and you will be you will have failed in a certain way however as uh, i don't think that everything needs to be experienced in the human experience i don't think that you need to do that i don't think that that's good for people i was actually thinking about this in relation to people i know who i know would love this movie and i wondered if showing them this movie was a good idea not because i think that they're that they are evil people but because it seems like it's a push in a incorrect direction and even if that push is just very slight from watching this movie i don't know if i like recommending this to other people unless they are you know quote artistically minded people who are doing it for this for this purpose for criticism for evaluation who are going to be able to 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 bring their own thoughts to the thing and, and really break it down because at the end of the day, I think this is a thrill ride. I think that this last half of this movie is just very fun. It is really cool to watch him like snap a trap over a guy's head or, uh, you know, the turn around the, 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 the shotgun or shoot him in the foot or uh, the, the whole glass thing. He's basically John McClane by the end, you know, setting traps and running around and doing craziness, uh, you know, tying him tying the one guy's neck with rope uh, with wire and then while he like begs like oh it wasn't my fault they pushed me into it which and he's like uh-huh yeah sure okay you're gonna stay there and he's like i'm right over the class and he's like no you're just yeah well too bad that's where i want you to be i think in general that stuff is fun and i think that that's a problem that it's fun because i think that it is indulging that i i don't see how you could see this as anything except for a advocation for that i'm not saying that at the end of the movie, everything's perfect that he, you know, gets with his wife and his wife is like, Oh, whatever. But I am saying that what this movie seems to say is if you man up that much, if you find, you know, come into your own and, you know, defend, you know, become a violent person. If you become macho, then uh, a woman will submit quote unquote to you. A woman will, will do what it is that you say and kind of, uh, and break out of whatever uh, uh, kind of uh, quote-unquote feminine hang-ups she might have, right? And I think that that is rough and it's disgusting and it and it pushes, especially in the context of this movie, that pushes this pers- for, uh, this uh, particular woman to such an extreme. Um, yeah. yeah, and so I, I very much see it as didactic. I don't think that there's a lot of ambiguity there. You're you're talking about like you know he he seems disconnected from his wife, and it's like yeah, but that wasn't the point. He is he's in bliss. He's perfected it. He's done. He is happy at the end. Yeah, it, it, he 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 has reached. He this is the the peak of male physique, and whether you like it or not, uh, whatever the tweet that tweet is that got him to death, you know, um, and and I don't. 
see any other interpretation. Being but I, I think that there's kind of a darkness to that too, though. Like, yeah, if he is in bliss mm-hmm. and if he is happy and if this is what it takes to be fulfilled, then what does that say about human nature or masculine sure. nature that you are happy, you know, once you've, once you've destroyed something, I think that by that presenting that is just mm-hmm. a terribly awfully deep and, and sad thing. And I think I give this movie enough credit to think that it is agreeing with me that that is a bad thing. Um, I, I think that something can be cathartic and still awful you know, after the fact, something can in the moment be, you know, joyful. And then after you get that post nut clarity, so to speak, and you're <laughs> like, damn, I, I, what does he say? I really got them all, didn't I? Mm-hmm. But so I don't, I don't think that's clarity. I think that's almost, he like says, he doesn't smile, but he says that with a sense of like, man, I scored every goal this, this, this match didn't i that was me i dunked so many times yeah i threw down so many jams i hit so many corner threes (laughs) everybody get up it's time to slam down we got a real slam going on welcome to the space you already got it i already got it you're good you're good you're good you're good you got it (laughs) thank you but no i think that that's you know in that scene when he says that all that word for word i i think that he is happy with himself and i think that he is fulfilled as a man and i think that that's what this movie is saying is forget like uh, whatever the, the wife is whining about you will be fulfilled as a man if you just push her in her place and he slaps her around he hits her and and if you just do that then you know she'll she'll submit and she'll do whatever it is that you say and you will have reign and uh, you will reign over your household you will you will be king of your kingdom and I don't know if that i think that's bad <laughs> i think that's not something that we should be advocating for in this way yeah i i just kind of disagree i would give it a little bit more credit than that which is ironic because you seem to have rated higher than me but as we're learning I, that matters less I, and less i thought it was good <laughs> like you i know thought what? It was well I, made. I did not think and, that well, it was this it was that fun i was somberly really? watching it like I mean, I, I thought it was thrilling, but I didn't mm-hmm. think that it was especially cathartic. I'm, uh, I mean, you know, based to me, it was my, like my reading. It was like it's watching uh... RoboCop. Like, oh, but, cool. Like, like this has a lot of interesting things to say about, you know, the, the, the role of police in our society or whatever. But also, like, pew, pew, shoot, shoot. You know, like that. And that's art should even really really good pieces of art should encompass that and i think that that's so it fulfills that thing that i i would love love for art to do it's like being thrilling and powerful and whatever it just is in service of a uh mindset that i don't like sure um i mean Uh, yeah sorry we're not mindset but you know i i think that at this point um before we start running ourselves in circles i think it's Mm -hmm. a good point to to close it up what do you think yeah do you have anything closing thoughts you want to say i i think dustin hoffman is great i think uh what the the woman playing the the female lead susan really, george which i didn't know but is susan right george she does really well in that particular scene but in throughout this entire movie really holding her own against one of the great actors 
we'll, we'll debate as I think we'll go on, but I think Dustin Hoffman is great in this. If, if you just watch this and The Graduate, you'd think, yeah, for for sure, Dustin Hoffman, one of the great actors. Um, and I think that she does well, really well in this movie as well. Um, uh, yeah, and I, and I think this is well shot too. It's very fun. The the score is really loud and brassy and and fun. again fun. <sighs> All right, let's let's pull out of this. You Sorry. are the pullout king. Mm, oh, come on, that, that was just low effort. That just sucked. yeah, that was yeah, none of that. None of that. Come on, that fucking sucked. That was man. basically that was basically potty humor at this at this point. Basically, um, yeah. Let's talk about our rankings, uh, Sean. This was a lower week for me, but you know, I talking with you, I I I raised a couple of these, and so I think, yeah. And God Created Woman is at the bottom of my list. Number 128 out of 149. It's right below The Great Dictator, right above Kronos. So you really see... It, I mean, it's that it's that run of... We have the, the, the samurai flicks. Samurai 1, Samurai 2, Samurai 3. The Great... Uh, so it goes Samurai 2, Samurai 1, The Great Dictator, and God Created Woman. Kronos, Jabberwocky, Samurai 3. These movies that are just kind of like, I don't know, a good filmmaker maybe is behind them, perhaps, but I don't feel like it had that much to say. Um, and uh, yeah, so that's kind of where where, where And God Created Woman sits. Um, coming up next on my list is uh, The Element of Crime. Uh, right below, or is it the element? Yeah, the element of crime. It's right above Carnival of Souls, right below the unbearable lightness of being at 113. Uh, again, pretty low rating. Uh, I think it's really well shot, you know, nothingness. And, uh, and, and yeah, and so it, it's, it's okay. I, I, we keep on doing this thing where we're like, most of these movies are pretty good. Like, most of these movies are better than most movies still, but you know we kind of gotta throw it around uh number 71 i put notorious right above the magic flute and right below valerie and her week of wonders so it's a, a space i've been exploring a lot lately um which is right below the lore and right above life of brian it's all this kind of like run feels like it's like these are really cool movies that i wish were masterpieces and didn't quite hit that for me uh coming in pretty high We've got Straw Dogs at 58, I don't know, not that high, 58, right below Last Hurrah for Chivalry and right above Baron Munchausen. Um, and I think it's funny that I put those between those two movies. I didn't even realize I did that, but those are fun movies that are that have very strong singular viewpoints that come across very uh, quickly. I apparently have very strong opinions on that like go in runs, I guess. On, on how I feel about these movies. But uh, yeah, nothing breached like the top 40. And I think that most weeks should be like this. Instead, we uh, always encounter a masterpiece that it's like, we got to rearrange the entire, you know, hierarchy of the DC cinematic universe. We got to inverse. Yeah. We got to invert the whole thing. Just flip right, it on exactly. its head. Uh, yeah, it's going to be yeah, <laughs> the, the night porter is going to be number one from now on. Yeah. Uh, Sean, why don't you get into to your list? And God Created Woman, 134. Not very hmm. good. Didn't like it very much. Straw Dogs. I'm going to call it uh, 102. It's just below hmm. True Straw. Oh, I forgot to do the whole thing. And God Created Woman, just above the cameraman, just below 39 steps, more or less self-explanatory, I think. And Notorious. I completely skipped over it, and it's number 110. Just below Dragon wow. Inn, 
just above Holy the cow. rock. What a low ranking for you this week. Yeah. Nothing I think reaching a hundred. I thought you were going to say it was a high ranking because I like dragging in. I was giving it notorious. I mean, maybe a little bit too much credit. Um, mm. <laughs> well, this is embarrassing. Straw Dogs is at 102. Right. That's uh, quite quite a difference. Um, it's just above Rushmore, just below True Stories, which, you know, mm. True Stories. True Stories and then didn't. I like True Stories. It just it's become a gatekeeper for me. Because I think because Stop Making Sense, when I watched it twice very recently, it just made yeah. me unwilling to to give a David Byrne work, you know, too little credit. So, sure, sure. But I'm not going to change the ranking because I'm not, uh, yeah, you got it. David Element Byrne, of Crime, yeah. um, would you believe it? It's at 31. <laughs> sure. It's I gave it 6 out of wow. 10 and it's at 31 because it's wow. just one of those movies. That's um, crazy. <laughs> And I think that I really like where I placed it. It's just above Thief and two above Insomnia, which I okay. think, you know, makes enough yep, sense. Yeah, that's a run. Yep. And then just below Sweet Smell of Success, which feels right for some reason which, that I can't exactly yeah. articulate. Yeah, because Sweet Smell of Success is a masterpiece. Yes, yes, we yes. understand. Basically, yeah. And... All right, that's it. I'm done. I, that's all. Yeah, you're 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 clearly like let's speed run this. So you know what? Let's speed run this. You're the one, uh, who, you're the one who's got to get up early tomorrow. I'm trying to do I it for do, you. And it's all I, for you. I do and I'm I've got a girlfriend waiting for me with uh five guys. So let's 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 get this let's get this thing over with. Uh, we have some interesting stuff going on next week because next week it's you guys have been begging for it for a year now. We've been doing this podcast, mm -hmm. you know, for whatever time, and you know, We're all finally getting a female guest. Nah, just nah, playing. Just playing. Just, just playing. Just playing. We're doing a WC Fields episode. That's, uh -huh. that's the thing you've wanted. Oh, well, we we Everyone's were really joking favorite. with you there. Yeah, we're doing WC Fields, and we so, are gonna be in a fucking blood war to figure out which one of us is the bigger WC Fields fan. <laughs> right, we're talking the bank dick. Mm, good, <laughs> good. Yum yum yum. Really excited <laughs> about that one. And then we've got W.C. Fields, six short films uh, by W.C. Fields. Uh, yeah, it stars W.C. Fields. <laughs> How many times can I say W.C. Fields? It's going to be a great time. enough. Great get time. enough of that guy. Yeah, yeah, six. Uh, it's just W.C. Fields, six short films. Uh, and uh, you can watch them all on YouTube or and or Amazon Prime. So if you want to watch along, that's a great place to do it. Maybe even just watch one of them. It'll be really fun for us to co cover just six W.C. Fields, really excited W.C. Fields, W.C. Fields. And then we decided that uh, we're going to do some more of our Yakety X because W.C. Fields, he's so funny. He's such a comedian. The funniest man alive. The, the god of comedy. Time, WC Fields. <laughs> so, the god of I, laughter. Speaking of like the deified versions of, uh, you know, primal comedy of cinema, I decided to watch uh, Charlie Chaplin's Limelight, which stars, which has an interesting cameo. Have you heard about this cameo, Sean? in limelight no i haven't who is it okay don't look it up just, okay. just don't look up the cast don't look up anything just watch limelight and see if you recognize maybe someone who has appeared in uh other movies we've covered so we'll, we'll, we'll have to see it'll be fun um interesting limelight's gonna be fun and uh i, I know it's not one of the charlie chaplin's best but that cameo is just i wanted to watch it just for that uh what do you got for me sean I want to laugh as well. 
So you know what? More WC Fields content, I hope. No, God, there's only two in the collection. That's okay. Oh, They're going to get them all in there. Listen, they okay. don't want to flood us with WC Fields. Oh, man. I'm going to do a lesser guy. Um, Jackie Chan. You know, he's, a, he's <laughs> That's kind so of not true. That's awful. He's so good. No, well, <laughs> against WC Fields. Come on. Oh, of you know, not. He's, I, mean, he, I guess he's okay at action uh-huh. comedy. I guess, you know, he may or may not be, you know, the greatest to ever walk the earth in terms of that genre, but whatever. Uh, I'm going to do Police Story 2 because you haven't seen Police Story 1, so we're going to do Police <laughs> Story 2. Oh my gosh, this is. Sean, you're killing me. <laughs> I can't believe we're doing I hope it. so. It's a good bit, though. Police story two, and then we won't cover police story for like a long time. Sounds good. Until we get to it in the spines. Yeah. Oh my gosh. In you know five years. Yeah. yeah. Uh, excited to check out police story two. Um, and with that, uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe. You can check us out on Twitter or Instagram or TikTok or something. I don't know. Sometimes Sean posts the descriptions, but when he copies and pastes it, the links don't work. So I'm sorry if that's it. Just go to a different one. You, yeah, you I'll can, figure that out. One of these. You I'm going to go back, back and correct him one of these days. <laughs> but, yeah. yeah, and I'm going to add a photo to our Curious Case of Benjamin Button episode. It's going to happen for it's sure. It's going to happen. Uh, tune in next week to, for our amazing WC Fields episode. Just full of yakety yak. Knee slappers. Yeah, it's gonna be amazing. And, uh, and, uh, you know, this episode was episode by, by Tyler Frazier. Thank you so much for putting up with our crap, Tyler. Uh, and as always, Sean, I actually have to reveal something about me. Uh huh. I was a ditto the whole time, Sean! Oh, Sean, you have an imagination that you should put to use doing anything else. Anything. (laughs) Absolutely anything other than saying what you just said. Anything. (laughs) You can make sculptures out of trash. I don't care. Just not what you just did. What was wrong with what I said? What was wrong with the long series of beeps? Super atomic bomb that can wipe out the world. Just don't do what you just did with your creativity. I'm the Robert J. Oppenheimer of saying stuff. (laughs) Edit out.